turn in uh, in Matthew chapter 18, and and uh, we're going to pick it up. Well, let's pick it up from um, verse one. We covered actually Matthew 18 verses one through four last time, but we'll we'll pick it up again in Matthew 18 verse one. And at at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, "Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And he called a child to himself and set him before them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as his child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And last week we talked about humbling oneself. How the scriptures repeatedly use this statement, humble yourself. And our feeling is, God humble me. And God says, humble yourself. The scriptures talk about it. And, and, and uh, we covered this last week. And now in verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it will be better for him to have a heavy millstone stung, uh, hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Verse 5 says, talks about receiving. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. This whole issue of learning how to receive another believer, learning how to receive others. Look in, in Matthew, turn back a couple of chapters, Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, let's look in verse 40. Matthew 10, verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward." This is a very simple idea. He says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. We have this, uh, this garage apartment above our garage, and many students have asked if we rent it out to them. And we say, no, we're not going to rent it out. Because what we do is we use that garage apartment for people who are coming through town, for missionaries, for God's servants coming through town, and they need a place to stay. We say, come, stay with us. Or if there's some family coming because they have a family member at MD Anderson, they might, you know, we might give them that room for a while. That, for us, is a way of just expressing back to them you are a prophet. You are a servant of God. Come and stay with us. We have no desire to charge you. And Shireen puts, you know, it's got a refrigerator in there and a full bath in there and, 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 and a microwave oven. She always puts all this great food in there for people. And that is our way of receiving a prophet. And look what it says. It says, if you receive a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, that's a good deal. A prophet has great reward in the kingdom of heaven. And if you receive a prophet, welcome in a prophet, you receive their reward in heaven along with them. 
It's a pretty good deal. I mean, prophets work pretty hard. God's servants work pretty hard. And you can, you can receive right along with them. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you shall receive a righteous man's reward. You can walk right in to the blessings of another person's righteousness if you would learn to bless them. I think that there are many people that never learn to receive the blessings that could come very, very easily. Blessings could come tremendously easily if we would just allow ourselves to bless others. Remember, at some point you will have a home. And remember what I'm telling you. Make your home open to other people to bless them. And it will bless your family. You will receive a tremendous blessing by just giving a little bit of your home. When I lived in a dormitory, I used to invite guys on my floor in, and I would invite them in and serve them hot chocolate and chocolate. <laughs> and, and, uh, and guys would come. And, and, you know, they'd come knocking on the door, and, and I'd serve them hot chocolate and chocolate. And, and uh, I wanted a blessing. Jesus said, if you give to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, so when a person visits my home, if they say, I don't want anything, we will be sure to at least give them water. Because I said, you're not going to leave without my getting my blessing. The Bible says, if you give a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. That's all it takes, is being gracious enough to give a cup of water. And every Sunday, we invite students to our home, and we'll do it after this class, to come and to share lunch with us in our home. My home, my family, has been tremendously blessed by this. I know many college students have come in to our home and put up with my obnoxious son at times when he pulls on people and forces them into playing four-hour games of Monopoly and things like this. But our home has been greatly blessed by this. Shireen serves just a little bit of food, and we get this tremendous blessing. We get a tremendous blessing. If you keep a gracious and open home, you will receive a tremendous blessing. That is something that you will receive. Remember that. Keep a gracious and open home. And it's not just when you have a big, fancy house. You have a little apartment, bring people in. Shireen and I were married when, when I was in graduate school, and... and um, what would happen is, is we would invite people in. From the day we got married, we, started, we moved into this apartment and we started inviting people in. And we kept a, a little book, and we still have that book, of all the people we began to invite in. They would come and they would sign up. And even to this day, we look back and we say, hey, we remember this guy. And we remember this person. People from all over the world that we invited in. And we were blessed as a young couple, before we ever had any children, inviting people into our home. And in fact, inviting people into my home is how I met my wife. And, and the story behind that is that, that her family had brought all this food be, to church because they thought we were going to have this covered dish meal. It was a smaller church. So you know, one, one Sunday a month, people would bring food to church, and then after church, everybody would eat. Well, they got the Sunday wrong. And so they brought all this food, and I was living in a, in a house with nine other Christian guys. And so we had this house near campus, and so we said, well, uh, you can come over at our house for Sunday lunch. 
and, and, you know, because it was, there was never enough food around. And, and so her family came with all this food. And so we were having lunch, and my job in the house that summer was to do, di- do dishes. And I know a lot of you think that I've never done dishes. I've done plenty of dishes, all right? So I know how to do dishes. But I went in the kitchen to do dishes because that was my job for the summer. And I saw Shireen doing the dishes. And I said, you can go. It's my job to do dishes. And she said, oh, no, I like to do dishes. And my heart started pounding. really did. You know, this attractive young lady who enjoys doing dishes. And so by inviting people into our home is how I met my wife. If, you, if you're gracious about giving out, you receive many times over. And I'm still receiving many times over to this day. If you learn to be gracious. Let's turn back to Matthew 18. Verse 6, Matthew 18, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it will be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the man through whom the stumbling block comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble... Cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and to be cast into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into the fiery hell. See to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angel in heaven continually sees the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. So Jesus starts out talking about stumbling blocks, saying that, you know, there's people out there that are stumbling blocks. He says, don't let yourself be a stumbling block to one of these little ones of mine. Then he says, You know, you can cause yourself to stumble. If your hand causes you to stumble or your foot, cut it off. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. You know, these are quite strong words. Jesus is saying, take strong steps to keep yourself going in the right way. He's saying that I want to emphasize something really strongly here. People, individuals, have to take strong steps to keep themselves walking in the right way. The young man who had shared the Lord with me when I was 18 years old, I got saved when I was 18 years old, actually November 7th of my freshman year in college, I got saved. And this young man gave me a Bible. And he said to me, after I got saved, he said, he he was in the Navigators Campus Ministry, and he said, you know, I've I've seen a pattern. Those who read the Scriptures every day don't fall away. Those who don't read the Scriptures often fall away. He said, I've talked to many people who've slipped away, and I asked them, were you reading the Scriptures every day? And they all said no. And I thought, that is a very simple prescription. If I read the Scriptures every day, things will go well. And so what I started doing from that day is I started to read the Scriptures every day. And every day of my life, I will read the Scriptures. 
And what I do is I read from Genesis chapter 1, and I start reading. And when I'm done reading for a while, I pick up the next day reading where I left off. And I go through the Bible, and when I hit Revelation 22, I start again. And I've just been doing this year after year. And what it does is it keeps me going in the right way, to the point now when I hear the Scriptures immediately it grabs my heart. We were driving in the car yesterday and I told Shereen to read to me Matthew 18. And just verse after verse just was hitting my heart. And you get this pattern in your heart that the Scriptures impact, have an impact on your life. And if you will learn to follow these patterns, you will do well in life. Jesus said, Woe to the man through whom, who, who brings this stumbling block. But then he says, you can bring stumbling blocks upon yourself. Your own hands, your own feet, your own attitudes, your own ways can be stumbling blocks in your life and you've got to cut them out. Jesus is speaking quite emphatically here. Can you think of a portion where he has ever spoken so emphatically? If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. You know, those are pretty tough words. Your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Is, this is the longest book of the Bible, and the whole book is about the beauties of the Word of God. If you will take this seriously, you will do well, not just in college, but in life. If you will take this portion seriously. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes and shall not forget your word. Look at what he starts out saying. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can you do that? A young man or a young woman, how can you keep your way pure? He says it, by keeping it according to your word. If you practice these things in this book, your life will go well. And you can't practice what you don't read, what you don't know. It is not enough to just go to church on Sunday. And if you're not reading the scriptures, you won't continue going to church. Read the scriptures every day. If your better hours in, are in the morning, read in the morning. If your better hours are in the evening, read in the evening. Wherever your best hours are, read. And say, Lord, speak to me through this portion. And allow Him to speak. And He will so teach you. He will so teach you. The Scriptures speak to me all the time. Even this morning, the Scriptures spoke to me. I've been so stirred up in my heart because of some things happening at work. And there's this one person in particular that, 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 that is doing certain things that are irritating me, and I'm sure that a whole bunch of this is my own fault. 
because I've come to learn that if, if I'm being irritated by something, a whole bunch of it is generally my fault and not the fault of another. But even as I was meditating on this portion this morning, this, this Matthew chapter 18, in Matthew, keep your finger in, in Psalm 119 and just flip back to Matthew chapter 18. And the verse that spoke to me is the verse that I just read this morning. It says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angel in heaven continually sees the face of my Father who is in heaven. And God spoke to me. See to it that you don't despise this individual. Because his angel in heaven is continually beholding the face of my Father. And God immediately put a check on my heart. Make sure that what you're going through doesn't bring you to a point of despising this individual. Without the Word of God, I never would have had that check on my heart. And resentment would begin to build. And it would begin to affect other parts of my life. The Lord spoke to me this morning through the Scriptures. The Lord speaks through the Scriptures. I believe that God speaks in many diverse ways. He really does. He can speak through a message that we hear on a radio. He can speak through the pastor speaking. He can speak through another believer sharing with you. He can speak to you just in your own heart. You have a thought. He shares with you. But sometimes it's hard to discern when we have those thoughts, is it really of God? But when it comes to us through the Scriptures, we know that this is from the Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart this morning, and this was a tremendous check for me that I needed to have. Be sure in what you're going through that you don't resent this, this person. Because if you begin to resent them and you despise them, remember, their angel is going to speak to me about it in heaven, God says. And I don't want to be reported on by an angel to God. I've got enough problems in my life without having God after me. <laughs> Turn back to Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Look what he says. You want to keep your way right? Young women, you want to keep your way pure? You want to keep walking right? Keep it according to His Word. And seek a relationship with a man or a woman who loves God, who also is honoring His Word. Let that be your prayer. So that when you see a young person give a testimony, you say, I'd like a spouse like that. You know, that's what you're to desire. Because the other things will pass away. He says, let me keep it according to your word. With all... Verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. When we take the word of God and treasure it, not just read it, but treasure it. Make the word of God our treasure. And many of you know me and you say, well, I know he sins. Well, I do. But... You have no idea what it would be like if it were not for the Word of God. When we make the Word of God our treasure, it keeps us from sinning against God. 
With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. Being able to testify of what God is doing through our lives is a good thing. It keeps us in the proper way. If you will make testimony, share with someone what God is doing in your life, it keeps you in the right way. Because you know what happens is Watchman Nee says, unless you share something about your faith, nobody holds you accountable. But when you share that you're a believer and that this word means something to you, people start holding you accountable for your actions. And that's a good thing. Whoops. I've got to be good here. The word of God keeps us in check. And that is a good thing. It keeps us from sinning against God. I have rejoiced in your way and your testimonies as much as in all riches. The greatest riches are here. I am very pro-education. I'm very pro-university. I think just having a bachelor's degree for most people is equivalent to a GED. You've got to have more. For most people. So I'm very pro-education. I'm pro-career once you've gotten some education. But I say, let that not be the first thing in your life. Your riches, the greatest riches should be the Word of God. And it will put into focus the rest of everything for you. The rest of everything. I have seen in the guys that I grew up with, the guys that I lived with in the discipleship house, in a, in, a, in a house with a bunch of other Christian guys. Guys who were always so concerned about their career and their job and getting this and getting that. Lost it. Where your treasure is, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also, the Scriptures say. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. When you put your heart, focus in first on the Word of God, God will take care of your career. I have seen that so many times. I have so much more in my career than I deserve. I really do. I have so much more than I deserve. But it's the grace of God. The grace of God. Everybody is bemoaning the fact of their salary. Not me. I'm really not. I really think, you know, sometimes I get paid more than I deserve. I don't tell that to my dean. Just between you and me. And... You know, in academics, we see everybody else's salary because every time you write a grant proposal, you've got to put your, what your, your monthly salary is because you, you get portions of it to pay for your summer. So I see everybody from around the country and where their salaries are. And I'm like, God, you are very good to me. Very good. God is very good to me. When you put the Word of God first, you will be truly blessed. Truly blessed. And many of you say, oh, well, you know, you're so stinking smart, that's why. Let me tell you something. I have friends that I grew up with from elementary school that email me sometimes. You know, they hear me on the radio or see me somewhere. And their comment is, when did this transformation happen? You know, because they knew me as a very different person in school. I was never interested in school. When I sat in elementary school, I remember sitting there thinking all the time, I wish this school would burn down. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Has anyone else ever had that dream? Just daydreaming in elementary school? Anybody? I, I used to dream that all the time. And they would ask, when did this transformation take place? 
I know what happened in me in my life. My freshman year is when I came to know the Lord. I was struggling. Some, some guy who knew absolutely nothing told me to take the freshman honors course. And, and, you know, that was back in the days where there were no AP everything. You know, you, everybody comes in now with like 60 credit hours from high school. They work far too hard. But back in those days, we didn't have all of that. And so, you know, you're a freshman, you take freshman chemistry. That's just what you do. And, but he told me to take honors. This, this, this uh, professor advisor who didn't know what he was talking about. I really shouldn't have been in that class. And I was just absolutely struggling, struggling in that class. And I came to know the Lord, like I said, November 7th of my freshman year. And I got, ended up getting a B-plus in that class, which for me was golden. And I ended up number one of all chemistry students in the university. I took every organic chemistry graduate course that I could take as an undergraduate by the time I graduated. And you say, well, there you go. No, there you don't go. I started with nothing. I mean absolutely nothing. Struggling with freshman chemistry. I know what God did in my life through this book. I meditated on this book and I know what He did in my life. When I was at Stanford finishing up my postdoc, there, was a bunch of us, there were a bunch of us in the lab and we were all vying for academic positions. And, and, uh, so, and I knew all the guys I was interviewing against. I would be in the hotel inter- interviewing the next day and I'd see the guy just finishing the interview at that institution. We'd overlap in the hotel. Hey, how'd it go? You know, what, what should I look out for? And I remember the guys in the lab commenting. And, and they said something that was really quite true. It may not have been nice, but it was really quite true. And they said, Jim's going to have a rough time getting a job because he's up against this person, this person, and this person. And they were absolutely right. Because those guys, those guys must have been learning chemistry in kindergarten. They knew everything. They knew so much chemistry. And they hadn't even yet gotten their first faculty position. And I didn't know how they could know so much chemistry. Well, at each place, I got the offer before them. And then when I would turn down an offer, the phone would ring again and they'd ask for the next guy in the lab. And they'd give, give that person the offer. I know what God did in my life through this book. So I don't have to look to other people and say, oh, well, you know, I have first-hand experience what this guy is talking about. You make the Word of God your riches, your treasure, and you will not lack. You make the Word of God your treasure and you will not lack a godly spouse, one who loves God. And those are the things that will become very important to you at some point in your life. To have a godly spouse. You know, there are many, many women that cry because they thought they married a Christian. And that shortly after they got married, the guy doesn't want to go to church anymore. And the woman is then bringing her children to church without the husband. And the husband is trying to take the boys fishing every Sunday rather than allowing them to go to church. And the women are weeping inside and outside. This happens to many Christian women. And so I tell you, you make this word your meditation and you will have discernment, you will have blessing, and you will find a spouse that loves God. These are the issues that will become important to you at some point in your life. It's this word. Verse 15. And I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways, and I shall delight in your statutes, and I shall not forget your word. It is this simple passage 
this simple passage that will keep things well for you. It will help you to guard your friends. Remember what Jesus said. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If you are with certain people that cause you to stumble, cut off the relationship. Cut it off. And ask God to help you because it's not easy. There was a very good friend of mine in college that I liked a lot. And I came to know the Lord, like I told you, early on in college. And I used to share with him, but he wasn't interested. And he was going another direction than I was going. But still, I liked him a lot. He was a good friend of mine. And when I moved into this discipleship house with some of these other guys, one day he wanted to pick me up. He wanted to go. I was at Syracuse University. He wanted to go to New York City. And he was coming from his home in Buffalo, passing through Syracuse in the summertime to pick me up to go down to New York City to visit some friends. And I knew that I shouldn't be going to this. And I told him, Gordon, I'm not interested in going. He said, I'm coming and I'm going to get you. I said, Gordon, I really shouldn't be going to this. He says, no, I'm coming. And I remember when he was driving down from Buffalo through Syracuse, and I remember praying, God, help me. He's going to show up at this door. God, help me to say, no, I can't go with you. I just can't go with you. And then he didn't show up the hour he was supposed to. And then another hour went by. And I finally got a phone call, because back in those days there were no cell phones. And so he finally called me. He hit a deer on the way, totaled his car. And he wasn't coming to get me, and he wasn't going himself. And I fell on my knees and thanked God for his mercies. Because I really needed help at that time, and God came through. And, you know, it sacrificed a deer. And for those of you who, who love Bambi, you know, that... It was a sacrifice. To me, it was a worthwhile sacrifice. So I know the pressures. You are not alone in your pressures regarding relationships. You're not alone. And God has not left you. But if your hand causes you to stumble, you have got to cut it off. And what will give you strength is the Word of God. And you will find a community of like-minded believers who are not perfect, and you will sometimes see their imperfections and to say and think, is Christianity for real? But just remember, you, I guarantee you, have the same imperfections that they do. And if not the exact same one, something similar, something equally devastating. And just cry out for the mercies of God. And it is the Word of God that will keep you going in the right way. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank You so much for the Scriptures. And I pray, O God, for these young people that they would learn to have open hearts, open homes, that they would learn to be gracious to people. And Father, that they would have open homes and receive that blessing many times over. For as the Scriptures say, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. If he sows sparingly, he shall reap sparingly. If he sows bountifully, he shall reap bountifully. Let them, Lord, reap bountifully in their lives by having a gracious spirit. And Father, I pray that you sow seeds of the Word of God in these young lives. 
that they would take the Word of God and make it their daily reading and their daily meditation. And they would learn to have you speaking into their lives as a result of this. Father, I pray the grace of God to abound in their lives. The grace of God to abound. And Father, I pray for these young women here that you so surround and protect them. And for these young men that you make them into great men of God honoring you. And that Father, through these young people you raise up good homes, good families, and good children. May the grace of God be upon them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.